We're back. What's up, my friend? I've missed you so much. He's drinking. I missed you too, John. <laughs> I was. It caught me off guard. That's okay. I didn't know that was the whole intro. Yeah, no, I don't I don't really do so like I've been trying to record or do an intro or something with Chelsea for the longest time, but every time I say I'm gonna do it, I sit down with an hour in mind and then all of a sudden that hour's done and like I've accomplished nothing. Jeez. <laughs> it's just how these things So go. what's the intro like right now? There's nothing. Like, it, you, you, yeah, you hit play and it I, is I me. yeah, you, you hit play and I say, "Hey, welcome back. How's it going?" Content. Yeah, content like it. for your earballs. So. Well, I know the first thing we were well for current events stuff. We were talking about that train situation. You did bring kind of crazy. Yeah, I talked to you the other day. You, you called me and I like we were on the phone for half an hour. I'm sitting there like I have to work at some point. Yeah, well, that's basically my whole job. It's just talking. I know. Me too. Oh, nonsense. No, but you're <laughs> right, though. See? Well, the train's too good at it. I know. You, you, well, so someone else said, okay, God damn it, we're already getting off on a tangent. Silver and Chelsea were making fun of me the last time we got here. Uh, I had them both on together, and they were like, all you do is network and stuff. And I was like, no, all I do is make friends. And all I could think of the whole time was like, I learned this from one person, and he's now currently sitting in the room. Hey, making friends is a great opportunity because you never know who you can meet. It doesn't matter where you are either, too. And it just it makes life more interesting. Worst case scenario, you never talk to them again. It just made that moment interesting. Best case scenario, it made several future moments interesting, too, when you talk to them some more. So. I don't know. I've always been a huge fan of like making friends. And I do like that you phrased it that way too, because I don't like it when people say like, oh, you're out here like hunting down connections. Networking's you know, bullshit. Like talking to people. Yeah. Even if I never talk to them again, like get the most out of that moment. Um, and it's definitely helped me a lot. You know, you know who I was thinking about the other day though? Who? Right, a former mentor of ours, Kurt Matern. No. Is he still kicking? <laughs> Dude. Have you no idea? Have you looked in on him? I I'm gonna cold call him this week. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna straight up call him and be like, "Miss me." Yeah, I do it at like five in the morning. I know, like, super wow. early. <laughs> this is a Matt for reference. This is a really, really old guy. He's not gonna listen to this. So I can say there's he doesn't. There's no way he knows what a podcast is. But um, <laughs> I was gonna call you tomorrow morning and be like, Rah. <laughs> uh, he, was, he was a terrific guy, and he was a he was a hoot. He had to have been in his late eighties, and um, maybe even. There's no way he was 90. There's no, right? I, I, he could have told me he was like 25 and I'd have been like, <laughs> it's been a rough 25 years, but I believe it. Like, I, I would have believed anything he said. I know. It was just, he was great. He cracked me up. So I ended up meeting this guy through the school. I literally just kind of went to the finance department and was like, hey, I want to start meeting people in commercial real estate, which ended up being beneficial. But at some point throughout the chain, I met him randomly and, he was a he was a character and a half, just crazy old guy from Naples with all the weirdest stories. And I remember my my first meeting with him was so much fun because I'm you know, I'm dressed up all nicely, walk in, sit down, you know, the little highs and all that, and he's like, You got something up your ass. And I'm like, What the heck did you just say to me? He's like, Why are you sitting like that? And he like just starts like tearing everything apart. Looks at my resume and he's like, I know you think this is good. This is crap. I'm gonna tear it up. And then he tore it up. <laughs> We tore it up and you couldn't even read his handwriting. It's just, it was just like X's. Like it was just like, yeah. 
crash. So I had to take my like, notes over his notes on everything, but I, he made such an impact. What are all these Microsoft certifications? He's like, nobody cares. Yeah. <laughs> Can you talk to people? You're fine. <laughs> so I got him hooked up with you at some point. I don't remember exactly how that occurred, but I know he was reluctant. But then you guys ended up having a good time. Yeah, we, uh, I think you were just, t you talked to him about me a few times and then you were like, uh, you brought him up to me and you were like, would you be interested in me? And I was like, oh yeah, I'd love to. And you were like, okay, well I'll see what he says. Cause he might not, cause he's he doesn't have a lot of time. Cause he was a super, he was still like doing a lot of stuff back then, even though he was like semi-retired and he was like, he gets one chance. Could tell him to meet me here at this time. If he can't come, that's too damn bad. <laughs> like it was just very, it, it was very old school, and I, I loved it. So I went and met him in person. Same thing as John. Like I like I like wore like uh, I dressed up like I wore a suit and tie basically, and he was like, "Why are you wearing that?" <laughs> like uh, everything. Then I gave him my resume. He did the same thing and tore it up. He was a really cool guy. Um, the last time I talked to him was when I got my job. That I have now and he was just like well sounds like you're doing good I'll talk to you later and then I was like or he's like if you need anything let me know and I figured that was his way of being like I've done all I need to do he's like now you're just in the corporate world figure it out yep and then that was pretty much it and I remember I had to talk and I feel like he was he's he's one of those guys that like he's not going to call you unless it's for some like it's he needs to talk to you about something and like when you finish that project like there's no nothing else to talk about like I, I my time is precious and i'll use it however i please but i do know that he was getting he like fgc who was like mad at him or something like because he oh no 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 it wasn't that he was mad at him it was because like students were raving about him because he had like two or three people aside from john and i and they were like we want to like assign people to you and he was like hell no he's like i'll drop everybody if you do that yeah and they're like why and they're like because you're gonna give me somebody i'm gonna hate them and i'm gonna tell them that and they're gonna report me and then i'm gonna get in trouble and it's just a waste of my time even though i don't care he's like so either you let me keep the people i like or just like fire me as a as a volunteer he's like i don't care like he was <laughs> abrasive but Abra it was a great guy <laughs> abrasive is probably a polite word for it yeah I think I'd really Very like podcast this guy. friendly. Matt, if yeah, <laughs> there, you're probably going to at some point meet the doctor equivalent of of Mr. Matern in your life and you're going to you're going to say this is the guy. This is it. Oh, I have 100% met plenty of people that are they're just abrasive to 99% of the world, but they find like 1% that they like and then they like really love them and try to help them. They just pick and their then people. As soon as as soon as the little contract or whatever you're trying to do and they're helping you do is over, they're like, "Okay, fuck you. We're done. Go do your thing." I got other shit to do. Mentor? And then my favorite too is he'll be like, somebody will be like, you just like him more than me. And he'll be like, yep. A hundred percent. Like he won't, like they won't care, which makes it even better. Mentorships are weird. I know that was a strange lesson for me to learn because I think in your head when you're younger, you kind of picture it like the movies. You're like, all right, this is the person that I'm attached to and we're going to, we're going to figure it out together. But that's not it. That's not at all how it works. It's, you're both doing completely separate things. And when you have a question that they can answer, you ask that question, they explain why you screwed it all up and then you guys move on and then you talk next month. Mm. Instead of yeah. being a little more attached to the hip. True. But, yeah. go ahead. 
I was gonna say, I think we all expect like this kind of like guide that kind of like holds your hand and walks you through things and then kind of drops you off at the successful career that you always planned. And it's nothing like that. It's just kind of like, like you said, they're there to answer a question, but like, if there's anything more than a question, they're like, no, I don't got time for that. Like, I can help you for like an email ever so often. And that's as much as you're gonna get and you should be very thankful for it. Yep. It's like the guy I work under now. I don't think he'll mind me mentioning him and talking about him. But like, so our, our dynamic is interesting because we've been working together for a little over two years now. And whenever he took, whenever he took me on, he said, look, I'm in the last five, 10 years of my career. I've never had a junior before. I don't know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing with you. So we're going to figure this out. And if you do what I say and have an open mind, we'll probably be okay. And you know, a year and a half later, you kind of like, it just, it clicks and it kind of figures out where I'm like, all right, look, I am going to have a hundred questions. We need to reconvene two to three times a day. I'm going to ping as many of my can as I can. So I don't waste your time. And then we're going to work together whenever possible. And it's been very, very effective, but you have to figure that out. And it's a weird transition. Yeah. And not everybody can handle that kind of situation either. I feel like another big thing too, that's happening now um, one of the the, af the effects of COVID is that the pe like students that have been like learning from home more so than before when like some people do hybrid classes or do occasional online classes where it was like purely online. Um, there's less of that person to person contact and less ability to have genuine conversations with somebody and have small talk. The it, it is a skill. I think small talk and is extremely important um, primarily, you know, with the sales and service field, but any, any position you're in, even with the internal conversations you're having, it helps you help promote your career. And I've noticed an, an immediate downfall. And like when I'm looking at hiring people on at entry level positions and it's just like their ability to have small talk, like they come in with like a talk track of their own. And if you ask them a question that's outside of what they were planning on talking about, it's almost like a, like a curveball. Like you're like, like, I was like, how's your day? Like, <laughs> oh, I wasn't expecting that one. That's the hardest question <laughs> yeah. all day. But, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it's it's one of those. And that leads into kind of like the first technology that, that John and I were talking about earlier, which is like chat GPT and how it's even... It, the future of chat GPT is still very cloudy because it's just come to fruition, but it's had a rapid adoption rate from the early adopters and i don't know i the biggest thing is going to be like the education vertical and how it affects people like the traditional school system and like what their expectation is because ChatGPT can write all your essays and there's additional software that can that can influence it and change it even more if needed too to make it even more um interesting and like a better document because right now ChatGPT would write you like a, a C plus or like B minus paper, but there's additional AI software that can make it like an A plus paper. But so, you don't even uh, need that. Like they took and they did question by question with chat, chat GPT, the medical board exams, the ones I took last summer, the ones I've taken this summer and the ones that I take in the first year of residency, it passed all three. There's random AI took four years of medical education it was like fuck it it's so easy and just pass the ball i think yeah. all that proves is that what you've been doing is more memorization than learning process and creativity maybe not but it seems to me that 
the goal, and we talk a lot about the education system because it's a fun thing to talk about because everyone on the planet agrees that it's broken to hell and we just can't seem to allocate the resources to fix it or the time. But the goal of it all seems to be very simply teach people how to think, how to write, because writing is an extension of thinking. It helps you do that. How to communicate and then how to, I mean, be creative, but you can't really teach creativity. You can kind of reinforce it. But if you can do those four things, I think you've succeeded. You're gonna have a you're gonna have a great population. Provides an outlet for creativity, I guess, more so. Like promotes it. Yeah, don't almost. beat it. Don't beat it down because I think we beat it down const- like constantly. Yeah. It. Yeah, I just think that with how much technology has evolved over the years, like look at the medical field, for example. The medical field over the last 20 years how much insane advances it's made and then you could attribute that not just to knowledge and things that have advanced in that sense and like people be like evolving on previous research to create new things but technology and how technology has evolved into help creating better processes and better abilities and helping doctors do what they need to do now you look at the school system and how how things are taught and all technology has done is recreate the same wheel. Like we teach the same stuff online, but it hasn't changed the actual curriculum very much. Um, what's changed is like what they're expected to do when they leave school. In my mind, I don't think many things have changed. Um, obviously when you get into specific verticals like healthcare and things like obviously like that evolves and like the curriculum evolves, but like basic fundamental learning, I'm talking like kindergarten to even, even high school, I'd probably push to say really hasn't changed much considering over the last 20 years, how many other things have. And that's kind of frightening to me because you could be writing this, like when your kid is in high school, he's probably writing the same essay about the same topic that you were writing, only he's typing it on a keyboard. The medium has like, changed, but not the content. Yeah. It, Whereas, it, like, in the industries, I think it has. But even in medicine, hasn't changed too much. At the end of the day, it's this symptom plus this symptom plus this lab test equals this. And if you have this, then you do that. It's really simple. And so, like, the volume of things that we have, whether it's in grade school or med school or whatever undergraduate school, has increased, but the time we do it in hasn't. So that's what's like really, I think, hurting kids more than anything is that like we've got so much more volume of knowledge that we have to learn to cram into the 12 years before you graduate high school. And they're still like, okay, you still got to get it all in in that 12 years. We're not adding a 13th grade or anything. So the knowledge has increased that you have to absorb, but the time hasn't. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, at some point we evolve to where we're absorbing information and learning faster. And I think we have over the years, but... We don't evolve that quickly. Technology is moving way faster than humanity does through evolution. We just, we just don't. I don't think we've evolved in a way that things have changed to make it like we ourselves as people can learn faster. The things that we can use to learn allow us to learn faster, but like there's still only like a certain rate that you can learn and it still becomes difficult. So it's like, okay, I can use flashcards, videos, mnemonics, whatever else, and that'll help me get there. But like, it's still that much knowledge you have to cram into your brain. You don't, you don't think the human, I guess, brain and body have evolved to get stronger and better over time? No, I think we've gotten weaker. 
we have to work less hard to get the knowledge that we have because of the mediums that we've developed to learn. That's true. And we don't use a lot of our senses. Like our ears and noses are probably terrible compared to a thousand years ago. Yeah. Weird doctor fact. They used to actually taste the urine of diabetic patients and it would be sweet because they get rid of so much sugar and docs would do that all the time. And we definitely don't do that anymore. Yeah, but that that would make you can tell us, Matt. It's okay. <laughs> you guys taste pee. <laughs> but okay. we decided that, that was a little too old school. But nowadays it is. But you know, eight hundred years ago, I think that would make sense. You're like, hey, I got to figure out if this dude's dying or not. You know, it's taste taste his pee. <laughs> sounds so stupid out loud. <laughs> But they would do that. I, mean, it makes sense. I know. I'm, I'm just trying. Trying to put my myself in the brain of a 1500s doctor, and I think that's that's a length I would be okay with going to. I mean, I don't know if I would, but like that's sure. The sheer amount of patients that you'd have to go through with pee that you tasted to find a certain <laughs> amount of diabetic ones, however long ago this was, and then is it sensitive for it? No. Is it specific for it? No. So you just kind of like, how good is this doctor's tongue when it comes to tasting the amount of sugar in the urine? You got a full spittoon at the end of the day. (laughs) I'm just imagining like a doctor that was traveling and like went to another town. He's like, all right, like I'm going to train you on how to like understand if your patients are diabetic. He's like, you're going to collect their urine. He's like, okay, you're going to drink it. (laughs) What? The fuck did you just say like, to me? Yeah. Hey, like goes, the looks they must. They're in like an old western town, and the guy just pulls out a gun. He's like, Poof. he's like, this guy was trying to get me to taste pee. He's clearly not a doctor. <laughs> uh, but it, I mean, I just think that students are graduating, and they're not having like for how long they're in school. I feel like there's a lot more opportunities to learn different skills. Like, I think we should, like, when I was in school, you had the opportunity to go to, like, trade programs in high school. Like, while you were in high school, when you were graduating, you could do, like, trade programs that were affiliated with the high school. They don't do that. I I mean, I'm sure some do, but I don't see many doing that um, anymore. And, like, that's a field opportunity as well. I just think that kids are graduating high school, and then they use... They spend money in college to figure out what they want to do almost. Not all the time, but seems like like a lot more kids are going into college and university and their majors are undeclared or like entrepreneurship or general business. And they're doing that in the sense that they're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then when they graduate, they have to like kind of figure it out. But I just feel like there has to be an opportunity in the many many years that you were in school especially whilst in university um that you should be able to like have options actually while you're in high school i mean you should have options to figure out exactly what you're at least basic interested in because yeah i mean it just gets shunned so early if you were like hey i'm i'm 10 years old and i love sports all i want to do is sports i would say let's go get this let's go let this kid go shadow like and these kids are like yeah 14, 15, yep. 16, 17 years old. Like, we shouldn't be expecting them to go figure out what they want to do for the rest of their life. Uh, we still shouldn't expect them to know what they want to do for the rest of their life when they graduate, but we should at least be trying to give them at least a few more tools to figure it out instead of saying, like, go to college, spend 20 grand. More than that. I hope you figure it out. 
What's Maybe it? Maybe you will. It's a drag on everyone's resources. It's not just a drag on their resources. It's it's everyone trying to support like entities that aren't doing anything. And then you end up having to switch over and over and over and over and over. And that's productivity that is lost. And now we've all suffered. And the older generations now have to work harder and stay stay longer. And it's just kind of a mess. Because we focus on knowledge gain instead of skill gain and the knowledge gain in the grand scheme of thing doesn't help at all. Y'all can talk about it because y'all are in actual fields doing actual jobs and working at all. Sure. How much of your undergraduate degree do you actually use? Well, we lost Bill. One sec. All right, we're back. Sorry, Matt. <clears throat> but basically what I'm saying is like, like we focus on knowledge instead of skills when it comes to graduating college and high school and whatever else. Like, since y'all are actually working in the field, how much of your degree do you actually use when it comes to your daily job? I'm going to let him go first. Literally none. I never took a single course on cybersecurity in my life, but that's what I do full-time job now. So mine's a little interesting because I, I'm i going through a point in my, my young career where I've closed out two years of it. I'm like, all right, business is flowing. Things are happening. I feel like I've got stuff under my belt. It's great. And now, now it's like, okay, now it's time to relearn financial analysis. And I'm like, I'm sitting here thinking, I did four years of this. I should have an idea. And they're like, nope, everything you learned is wrong. There's a different way to do this and has nothing to do with what you learned. You need to learn it from scratch because what we do in the real world is not what you do in a classroom. And I'm like, that, that checks out. That's what I expected, to be honest with you. Just kind of sucks. That exactly makes my point then. That yeah. like everything with we learn is focusing on some random knowledge that has to be done in some random way that the school of your choice that you went to decided how it has to be done. And then you get out in the field and they're like, that's all wrong. You got to do it this way. I mean, I remember in as early as early grade school and I'm doing math and I had my dad, an engineer, mechanical engineer, knows math better than most people I know. And you explain how to do things. And I'm like, I got these all wrong just because I did it your way, even though your way is tried and true, worked for decades, whatever else, but it's not the way the school wants it done. Right. So it's wrong. Right. It's also one of those things too, where the age old thing when we were in like, especially grade school and high school, it's like, when am I ever going to use this? And I'm like, oh, you will. Never did. My other thing too, and once again, this isn't applicable to everybody but it's applicable to most is that a lot of these things that especially like what john was saying like managerial accounting financial accounting um any of any of the math courses that we had to take as engineers too like calculus pre-calc differential equations all that stuff can be solved by a computer and there has never been a situation where i haven't had a computer because that's it's what we do now everybody has one and if you don't have a computer, it's probably because you're not working or like you're not expected to find that number. Like nobody, no employer is handing you a sheet of questions and saying like, have this done by the end of the day. Um, I get that there's like that problem solving that's like universal and like figuring out a way to solve a problem. But then it goes back to what Matt was just saying, which is that they have a specific expectation for you to do it. And a lot of times in classes like math, if you don't solve it the way that they want you to solve it, you don't get the credit which just goes away with the uh, critical thinking and problem solving aspect of it. And it's just like the strict, like Quizlet style, like memorize these words and these definitions. 
and then regurgitate it and then do it again. And that's just like, unless you're in a field like in pharmacy or in medical and like some sort of medical field where that, like you need to know those things. It's really not important. Like in business, in marketing and business and really anything else, except if you're going to like law or medicine or and engineering even not really it's just kind of i don't know it's outdated do you we remember have now. there there well there was a program i don't remember while we were in school i forget what it's called it was great and you could essentially type any math problem into it and if you annotated Chag. it it wasn't check because check was just Wolf for from alpha <clears throat> that was it well from alpha from alpha yep and if you if you annotated the problem correctly, it would solve it for you, and then it would walk you through the steps that it took and the calculations to get there. It wasn't always perfect, but if you were doing your job, it would probably do its job for you. And where that kind of leads me is what like at what point does AI have a real real effect on this, where you don't have to problem solve that, and we can now move our problem solving onto bigger and better things like societal global organization where we can think about that instead of thinking about the Pythagorean theorem because no one gives a shit about that. But what we should be thinking about is our own mental states and how that affects our work. We should be thinking about if our work is actually productive because this is a big thing that I write and talk about all the time. I don't have a number, but I gotta say, I think the majority of what Americans do for their work is not productive. It doesn't produce anything. We have too many insurance agents. We have too many financial advisors that don't do anything. We have so many fucking people doing nothing, just trying to sell stuff and absolutely take money off of other people that are actually producing things. There's a very, very, very small amount of people that are actual producers, but everyone who's in sales calls themselves a producer, which isn't true, technically. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, the big point you're making there is cognitive offloading, taking the things that you could do in your brain and memorize for no reason, and then just putting it in an app or whatever else. Doctors use this all the time, where we sure. have all different types of ask this eight series, the series of eight questions, and if the patient has more than four right, then they have depression or whatever. Then it's like, okay, cool. I could memorize those eight questions, or I could have an app run them through those eight questions. It'll say yes or no, because if they have four plus or not, instead of memorizing that, I can memorize something else. Like it's all cognitive offload. And what do you, what do you think about that? Is that a good thing? Because does that allow you to focus more on the solution? I mean, it just means that I have to spend less time like memorizing something that's so arbitrary that I don't need to have memorized in my head. If I can keep it in an app on my phone that's succinct and simple, like obviously you want your doctor to know things, and but like I can learn so in the time that it takes me to learn those eight questions and know how many of the eight that they have to have right to be positive for whatever this is, like I can learn something totally different that's like more specific, learn more rare things, learn whatever else to help people. Like it's so much better. There's no reason for people to memorize half the stuff that we have to memorize. Like whether it's an equation for math or finance or whatever else, like I'm not going to memorize that. I'd rather someone actually plug it into a calculator on the computer because the calculator is going to be right for whatever it is as compared to them doing it in their head. And that makes sense. You don't have to spend as much time on diagnosis and you just spend more on problem solving and solution. Right. Which checks out that's kind of what technology is right right 
So then you have technology that can, quote, think. Now, what happens? I don't know. I mean, it's weird because the medical field pushes back against us because it threatens all of our jobs. But um, there's AI that they try to train it to be like radiologist or whatever and read x-rays and find cancer and the rest of that type of stuff. And it does fairly well. It's not as good as a trained radiologist, someone that spent three or four years of residency just looking at screens of black and white finding things. But like we have machines that can predict these things. When you get EKG, the little squiggly lines on the heart monitor, like trying to check if you have a heart attack, it automatically spits out what's going on. And then doctors look at it and they go, mm, yep, or mm, nope. And Bill, in your case, there's probably a lot of, a lot of cybersecurity, I would think, and this is me guessing, I need you to fill in the blanks, but I would guess that a lot of it is outsourced to programs. I mean, AI, is implemented into a lot of different security offerings, um, especially the ones that have been coming out as of late. But it doesn't change the fact that you need security analysts to react and read what the algorithm's saying. So you do have detection, analyzation, and response programs, but you have to have security operations centers that have security operations specialists and SOC teams that are there to take preventive action and authorize certain things. Um, a lot of times too, because these are outsourced ca like capabilities, um, there's only so much access that a security provider is given. So they have like internal security teams and IT teams that like are almost not like the third party, but like the gateway. Um, and they're like doing authorization for access and so many other things but ai is a huge capability because when these attacks these attacks have evolved uh, ransomware is like the number one hot topic and uh, one of the biggest things in the news nowadays too and ransomware used to be like the random spoof emails you get and you could see them from a mile away and your email provider would see it from a mile away like gmail outlook they would all just send it to your spam like you might never even see a spam um, but then it started evolving. Ransomware started hacking student emails and emailing other students via those e those emails. They started um, hacking into business emails and using those and like hacking into other people's personal emails um, and using those just to make sure that they were going into your main inbox so that they were a link that you might click. Um, and then they had access to your database and whatever you had access to. Um, and then they go from there. So with those attacks getting smarter, the, the preventative actions and the different um, solutions that providers are putting out have to get smarter as well. And the easiest thing to do that is to use AI and, and machine learning. And that's why it's implemented a lot so that it could be, it could, it could just always learn and react, but it's not replacing anything. There's still a huge need for uh, people to work in security. And there will be, and that kind of goes into what you were saying too, where there's, there's an overflux of people who are in these like sales jobs or, um, especially like in sales jobs that are like insurance jobs. Um, and there's like a shortage of people in these like more technical specific jobs, but they're not, they're not easy to just pick up and take. And it's not fun for a lot of people. Uh, it's like, you're reading different reports all day. You're getting pushed back from, 
uh, and you have to read certain code sometimes. I mean, it's not, it's not always the greatest gig. And some people like the freedom of just cold calling and having an easier gig like that. So, and some people are just afraid to like take that kind of leap and go into that tech field for whatever reason. I'm not sure. Just And then the tech layoffs too um, scare people. Yeah, that's fair. So just to back up a little bit, you used a term I didn't understand. What's a SOC team? Oh, SOC is Security Operations Center. Gotcha. And so that's going to be someone similar to, not not in your position, but someone that you would talk to in your position. Not really, no. I mean, we talk to more like, like, we talk to like C-level executives. Um, So they manage managers who manage SOC teams. So it, it like the SOC teams are think of like IT security practitioners, like people who are registering these alerts gotcha. uh, and reacting to them, like down in the trenches, helping to prevent against attacks and remediate when they find out there are attacks. And um, that's more so the case. And that's where people need, that's the need for people. Um, SOC teams vary in size, depending on how large your organization is and how many endpoints they're protecting. So there's always an opportunity for people to work in that field. Um, but AI, AI advancements are only attributing more so to, because as AI evolves in security protection, it's also being utilized in the attacks. Um, I was That's mentioning this to ask. Yeah. It's also being utilized in the attacks because like these people are getting smarter and a lot of times you'll, you'll notice that like these attacks, um, it varies, you know, there are different, um, ransomware organizations. I mean like Revil and, and others, there's tons and tons of them and they vary in size and they just hire people to use email lists that they get on the dark web or from varied resources. And then they just email you all day or call you all day and try to get personal information and then just go from there. Um, and that's, that's their job. That's what they do. And then they get paid out based on what kind of information they can get and what kind of access they can get. Um, different, different locations, um, where like the no call list doesn't matter to them because they're picking it all over the place. So it's craziness. And the people who are coming up with this software are very intelligent and they're making a lot of money by doing this. And so they have Besides the ethical perspective of it, they are, the, if they're only concerned about the money, they're going to make more money by doing that than they are by working for an organization. At least that seems to be the case because a lot of people that are creating these are insanely intelligent. They have to be. They're utilizing AI and creating all this programming on their own. That was sort of my the next place I wanted to go. I mean, do you, do you think this is like a, is it a purely malicious attack sort of thing because that's what it it's always seems like to me it's very gross and i try to see the the light and everything or the other side but it's it's really difficult for me to see the other side on this like why do people do yeah that? like why what what incentivizes someone to say god my life sucks so i'm going to spend seven hours a day trying to scam other people to improve my life i mean it seems like desperation just pure desperation yeah i mean matt's making the money sign they- but they just get paid, right? No. I don't know. I, I mean, just... the people like people who are on these that are getting hired onto these teams are coming from a place where the opportunity for a job 
is very small and the jobs they can get pay very poorly. And if they do, if they, if they call thousands of people a day and they get one, like the payment that they would get on that is probably what they would make in a year in the job that they do. So you could say, yeah, like there's, there's that ethical perspective. Like, do they just suck as a human or is it, they just need to feed their family. And it's up to your interpretation. I'm sure that there's some of both. Um, I'm sure there's, there's a lot of greed in that aspect. Um, Typically, you know, it's greed is the number one, like people just want to make money and this is a great way to do it for them. Um, from, but you're obviously taking a lot of risk from a criminal perspective, but then some people do it for ethical standpoints. So they want to bring down the man. Um, they want to attack an organization that's non-ethical or non-sustainable or something like that. Or it's a personal vendetta against a company that, that they used to work for and got burned for. Uh, but majority of the time, it's definitely going to be people that are greedy and are either working for somebody um, or it's somebody working by themselves trying to ransom somebody else for intellectual property, personal information, healthcare information, um, or just the uh, image of an organization too. Is like that... Is public, that... It, like, you have to announce publicly now if you pay a ransom uh, on your taxes. So it's public information. So if you get ransomed, people will find out, stakeholders will find out, and customers will find out. Now, on the flip side of that, a lot of people get hacked. <laughs> so, I mean, LastPass just got hacked, and they were like, they were literally a password. Uh, company that they they keep passwords for you kind of like how google does you know how google can keep your passwords if you want LastPass is like a version of it's like an application of that they got hacked um cybersecurity insurance companies have gotten hacked i mean healthcare organizations have gotten hacked and lost personal records um dentist office get hacked and lose lose personal medical files and the stipulations that come with that like you can lose, like not only can you lose your organizations, you can lose a lot personally and as a business. So when these ransom organizations are coming to you with these threats and you don't know if they're real or not, the way you react is kind of like, depends on how your future is going to look. And sometimes people come to you with these threats and they're empty and there's no way for you to know. Cause they're like, okay, I'll delete your database or take your database and put it on the dark web and sell all this personal information for money, or you pay me the money that I would make on it. And then you say like, what's your proof? And they say like, you have 24 hours. Sometimes they're not lying and they they'll do it. And sometimes they are. And sometimes they don't know what they're doing and they just end up deleting the whole thing by accident because <laughs> they're, they're in your background and they've never had access before. I mean, like the, the re- literally like results may vary kind of situation. It's like the craziest poker game you've ever been a part of. Like, is this guy bluffing? It it would cost me everything if he if he's not. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting situation, and I do think that like the it's not been very like there was a very hot period of ransomware for sure, and it's definitely like downgraded a lot too. And then the other thing um, that's interesting is I see like security as kind of like hurricanes, like. People go out and buy secu- like updated security as soon as the like, or they go buy new hurricane shutters as soon as the hurricane hits. 
Um, people go out, buy like brand new security software, update their security process, um, uh, like it, improve their SOC team, hire additional people in their SOC team after they've been hit. Um, so that's also interesting. And a lot of people don't have like a business continuity plan either, which is um, if disaster strikes and disaster could be a hurricane knocking out, it could be a pandemic like COVID. It could be um, a tsunami knocks out your data center. And it could be uh, a ransomware attack knocks out your infrastructure. Like, what do you do in those situations? What is your plan? And a lot of people didn't. Now, a lot of people do because once COVID hit, they're like, oh, we need one of these <laughs> just in case. Because people were, like, people were being told to go work from home. They're like, I don't have a laptop. I don't have, like, my Wi-Fi is not very good. Or, like, like, how do you want me to um, have calls from home? I'm a, I'm a call center, and I need all my employees to do that, but all their kids are home. So, like, all the kids are screaming in the back, and they don't want to work, and they can't. Like, what do you do? Or they don't have a laptop. They don't have Wi-Fi. I mean, you can't just tell your employee to go work from home if they've never worked from home before. So, and they don't have equipment. Well, so. I mean, we're so short-sighted on that stuff, but it's not really our fault. That's just kind of how we work. We're we're reactionary. We don't plan ahead. But um, something yeah. you said earlier, I want to, and you can respond to that. But I something you said earlier caught my ear that I wanted to ask you about is the is the vendetta black hat type of hacking is that common? Like someone gets spurned by an organization and they just want revenge. Like that's a crazy concept to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it exists. It's hard to know. I mean. It's, organizations really don't like talking about when they get hacked. Sure. And also you never know if somebody's telling the truth or not. Like it, it could all be a disguise. Like they could be trying to redirect you a different way. Although a lot of these are like, it is kind of crazy because a lot of uh, these like Revo, for example, that are big ransomware attacking organizations. And they even have, like they even have a name. Like they, you know who Revo is, or at least you guys might. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's a ransomware attacking organization. You could Google it. I mean, it's pretty popular. There's, few, there's several, several others. How do you spell but it? But they have a brand. Like, it's like, they want to let you know who they are because you can look up, like, you can see, like, online, like, people, like, reports will come in, like, news outlets will come in, like, if people got their data back from Black Hat or, or from um, Revil. They could be like, oh, like, I'm being attacked by Revil. Like, if I pay the ransom, it, like, can I trust a criminal that's attacking me right now? And that's why they like that brand is because they stand by their brand, which is like some, some criminal organizations that do that do give you the data back. But the only thing is you never know, like, did they make copies? Did they like get double dip and give you your data back, but sell it on the dark web too? I mean, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, it's just, it's a really difficult situation to be in. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, it's it's an awful situation to be in, and it's very common. It's been very common as of late too. Yeah. Um, I guess I. So to go to your question, no, I'm not sure how common it is. I, I guess like one of the most common approaches, though, depending on the person that we might have a vendetta, is you could always put your company login on the dark web, because a lot of times companies don't. Um, remove those I mean, it takes time you know like they might say oh we'll remove all the former employees logins by the end of the month but then you have companies and this goes back to the layoffs 
there's companies that just log you out of your computer. Like they'll just like you'll go in on Tuesday morning and like turn your computer on and it's just like a blue screen that says like no access. Can't even like log in at all. And a lot of companies have what did that during this last big uh tech layoff. And it's crazy. Uh but it's kind of smart on their end. And then what they do is they give you limited access for a few hours to get any personal documents and they shut your computer off again and you got to mail it back. I mean, that makes sense That's though. Because if, if you've got a laptop with 100 gigabytes of like really important documents and files and stuff, they don't want you to have that for longer than you have to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a smart approach. It's just very ruthless. It's very cutthroat. Well, that, um, that kind of leads to my next one, which is how the heck do we stop it? Because I know I have my own thoughts, but they're probably a little too aggressive for it. Stop what? It stops stop the whole... Layoffs? I mean, the no. So the, the absolute epidemic that is the cybersecurity, the scam calls, like all this stuff, the phishing. It's awful. It's everywhere. Yeah, it is awful. I'd love to hear your solution well so i'll start by saying there's a company called do not pay that i love founded by a guy named joshua browder which i would love to have you on the show josh if you're listening to this but uh so he's a he was a, like a law student or something like that and he basically did this while he was he built this company from the ground when he was in college and said i am sick of getting these spam calls i'm gonna write a code or i'm gonna have my someone i know write a code don't remember exactly the story went sorry if i'm butchering this but they got code written and they essentially designed an automated lawyer that was able to reference the law. So if you got a an unsolicited sales call, an illegal sales call, might I add, that would be off off the hours that you're legally allowed to, or if it was a verified scam or something like that, it would collect all this information and it would get as much from them as they could. And then it would come back and say, hey, we know who you are. We know where you are. You tried to scam us. We will sue you. This will go to a court. Um, if you want to stop this, send me a thousand dollars and I will leave you alone. Also take me off your list. And it's been working. It's been working really, really well, which is awesome. I love it. He's been trying to do interesting things too. He wants to make an AI lawyer where he wanted to send someone to court with like a AI earpiece and they would basically feed them information of like, this is exactly what you need to say in your court case. Uh, to win and I think it was basically for traffic court is what he wanted to do and he the issue was he publicized that, that that's what he's going to do and then a bunch of lawyers kind of went at it and were like no, no 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 this is illegal for these reasons or whatever else because they want to save their ass because they don't want AI to take their jobs but he was going to do that he was going to say like okay let's see if AI can win a court case better than your cheap lawyer that you're going to buy when you have to go get a traffic ticket in court I bet they would win a lot. I bet they would too. And I think that scared a whole lot of people. And I'll bet the, I'll bet they're already working on that up in New York. The lawyers, accountants, and politicians are all talking, trying to change the laws. Yep. My, um, I don't know. Yeah. Do you think society would get better if we had AI lawyers or worse? Oh my God, Silver's here. All right, quick intermission, and then we're going to hop back on. Okay, awesome. We have another extra guest, super special, number two. Silver's here as well. And I think she's going to be on a little bit more because we love having her. So we were talking about a lot of cybersecurity stuff. We brought up Do Not Pay, which is the automated lawyer. So we're kind of mixing like the AI fixing and hurting everything in addition to 
how the heck do we stop all the spam calls that you get a hundred times a day? Because that's my thing. I hate them and I'm done with them and I want to fix it. I mean, you said you just sign up for the do not pay and you have them do it. Now, if we can figure out the spam emails and get a grand every time I get a spam email, that will really get me going. Well, that would be good too. Um, so I know Bill had wanted to know what my solution was and it's probably a little more extreme. Mine's sort of like the uh, the stick, not the carrot, not the um, just give us a little bit of money. Mine's kind of like, I think you lose a finger every time you call someone with a scam and then eventually you're out of fingers. So you can't type in the number to scam call someone. You're so, talking literally, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm talking. I think it would take two fingers for most people and probably a third for the most extreme. Okay, so... It's like the, if you sexually assault one, you lose your appendage. Which uh, I'm not opposed to, to be honest with you. But that one's hard. That one's really tough because you're sitting there and I'm like, holy shit. This is a very, very extreme case with a whole lot of emotions that I do not want to be a part of. And I do not have the capability to judge. Wait, 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 wait. I mean, I don't want to jump from cybersecurity to sexual assault, but I do think that like losing a finger might be an incentive for not placing a spam call, but I think losing a finger would be an incentive regardless of whatever thing you're doing that you shouldn't be. Oh, absolutely. No doubt. I just, I don't know. Mine, mine's sort of like, look, you're, you're really holding everyone back. Like you're hurting everything by doing this. You're taking away productivity, you're making people sad and you're stealing, which is just kind of wrong in every way. So why shouldn't we punish you? Who has the time for that, though? Did you guys already talk about that? Who has the time for what? To place a bunch of spam calls. like. Oh, that's Bill. That's, a, that's all Bill. India. I mean, yeah. I mean, I was, I, all I said, well, it, it falls under the same umbrella, kind of, that a, uh, like we were talking about who does ransomware emails, like who, who is evil and just does that. But I was saying, like, they just target areas where, the work is either really limited or it's really cheap and they offer you more money to do it because of the ethical problems. And so there, I'm sure there's cases where people are like, it's a better life for my family. So I'll just be evil or like a bad, a bad guy. So I could be a good guy at home kind of thing. Mm. Um, But there's also the cases where I'm sure it's people who, are greedy and just want money because there's also the person who's running those scams and taking that information to do something with it. Um, just depends on like your standpoint on it, but those are, I don't really cover like the call center side. Like that's like, it, it just exists. Like, it, like there's also, it's really hard to get rid of. So, I mean, for somebody to do the do not call like by themselves, this kind of proves that like, there's no vendor that's really like, doing it like as a as a solution like definitely like identity proofing and like threat protection fraud prevention like that's all a thing like for your identity but as of as to like protect your email and your phone number people it's just kind of like a normalcy of life um luckily for me i have a corporate number so if people call my personal number and i don't have their number saved they just don't answer Mm. so i i live a i live a very happy life that I know John John seems to be jealous of because he, he be gets nice. these spam calls and probably answers them. <laughs> I well, you I, answer all your spam calls? Yeah, we kind of had that option. They were like, hey, do you want an office number? And I was like, ah, I'll try it. And then I tried it. I'm sitting here like, just use my personal. Like, I'm going to be here for a long time. It's okay. 
I, I made that same decision and I'm like three years deep using my personal and I regret it. Me too. Because now a bunch of people that I want to have my number have my number, but also a bunch of people that I don't want to have my number also have my number. And I wish I would have just like let the people I want to have my number given my number, like have that option to like bring them over. So um, but I'm sorry, Zach, didn't you get your identity stolen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. But did your... it happens. <laughs> never happened to me <laughs> it's uh, it's crazy i mean i did and then like i got a a letter in the mail from a county deputy and he was like we caught this person with your identity um <laughs> do you want to file charges and i was like yeah <laughs> but they also they also filed a fake tax return and they tried to file this was like last year mm-hmm. yeah for 2021 and they just filed like an obscene tax return and so the irs was like why did you file a tax return to try to like saying that you have like nine kids and i was like i don't it was fake here's my real tax return and they're like okay like it was and it's kind of because they don't submit any paperwork they just like went on like they had my information and then that was it but they don't have like my social security and stuff so they just filed it under my name got it (laughs) and it's just like it was very very obviously fake, so I'm happy the IRS figured that one out. But the irony of the guy oh, yeah. who works in cybersecurity I mean, it happens. getting hacked is really funny to me. Um, yeah, we had like a serious like cyber breach like three years ago. All of our Facebook ad accounts got hacked. Um, it was like pretty brutal to clean up company wise because we don't have like IT. We're not corporate, so. But doesn't Facebook have like the best customer support system? You're lying, right? Are you yanking yes. my chain? Okay. I'm yanking your chain. <laughs> I will come for Mark Zuckerberg on this fucking pod. Sorry. <laughs> podcast right now. I'll do it. Bring it. I hate that like, burning passion. I was on, I think I, did I tell you, Zach, already? I was on the phone with um, our Facebook rep and I was like chewing him out for something. And um, like a different rep gave my coworker the run around and I'm, I like referred my coworker to him, like my rep. And they ended up like passing her off to a different rep who just like dropped her call or whatever. So I'm chewing him out. And I was like, it's this person, person, last name. And he goes, I think he's in my office. I'm going to have a conversation with him. And I was like, look, I know like you, a bunch of you guys just got laid off, but maybe some of you deserved it. Woo. And this is why Silver didn't get her claim fulfilled. Jeez. <laughs> uh, I actually, I'm good now. Hey, actually, scaring them works way more than being nice to them. I promise you that. Because yeah. they are afraid of losing their jobs at this point. So. It's probably for the best. Silver's would be a dictator. <laughs> Still with fear and not love. Now we know. Yeah, my managerial style is as is like friendship is like friendship base Rule that's what it sounds like for managing sure. a team of two or <laughs> we actually just hired someone john uh, bill shut up she, she's so used to yelling at me for bad takes she almost said my name <laughs> um and have you ever managed two girls no Mm-mm. i have a team of women and one oh, and you manage them face to face in office no. <laughs> I have virtual meetings. <laughs> virtual is way different than in-person 
sharing an office with two women. <laughs> they just mute him on Teams, and they're like, "This bitch," and then they unmute. And they're like, "I love you, Bill." Yep. <laughs> All right, quick reference for everyone at home. When we say Bill, we're referring to who Silver is calling Zach. Oh, are you guys calling him Bill or Zach on this podcast? I call him Bill because I can't help it. He's just this is what it is at this point. But he's Zach. But I've he's been Bill trying Bill. to switch. His mom made me, I mean, not made me, but I respect <laughs> his mother a lot. So I really want to name him what she named His mother him. put a call out and said that we cannot call him Bill now? No, she did not. <laughs> but she, every time I see her, she's like... Doesn't Zach have the most beautiful name? And like, she always talks about how much she loves his name. So, slight jabs, slight <laughs> jabs. I think that her problem was that she she was fine, like in college, whatever. But when I graduated, and like people still called me that, I think it just kind of caught her off guard. I think she yeah. was like, I thought it was over. <laughs> it wasn't. It's forever. <laughs> <laughs> you have a corporate name, Zach, and you have a real name, Bill. Real man. But it's just like, for those of us that call you Bill, we can't change. It's like we've had our dog with the same name for five years, and all of a sudden we change it to Skippy, and it's like, okay, we're not going to call him Skippy now. I'm calling you Skippy from now on. I've changed. I'm making the change. Bill, what are you drinking? It's Bloody Mary mix without vodka because I'm on a cleanse. I was curious. I'm doing everything I can. We took her intermission. You said, I'm LaCroix. Yeah. You said, I'll be right back. And I was like, I know what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> so what are you doing? No, tell me, tell me about what mix. you're doing. I'm doing 75 hard. Which is? It's really hard. It's two workouts a day, two 45 workouts a day. One of them has to be outside. You have to read 10 pages of a book a day. You have to drink a gallon of water a day you have uh to stick to a diet it could be a diet of your choice but there's no cheat days um you have to take a picture a day progress picture every day and if you don't do one You're of those things, start over no for no. 75 days that was a yes were you gonna oh. tell me this tomorrow or i mean what if i failed <laughs> start over <laughs> Well, we're supposed to go to dinner tomorrow, celebrate your birthday, and we're not going to drink? If I keep starting over, (laughs) I'll never do it. (laughs) That's my stance on it. It's kind of true, though. How are you going to operate Big Little Brewery if you're sober? Yeah. Tyler has to taste everything. (laughs) I don't think he would have any problem with that. No, it would be fine. No, we just have more stock, Matt. That's all that would mean. Well, you'd, you'd have it so much more productivity because you guys a barrel would... a week. Yeah, <laughs> you guys would sit there and you'd both be like, "Oh wow, well, shit! There goes that 18. Not again. Yeah, because you gotta make some more. <laughs> oh, but yeah, no. I mean, I'm just doing it because I've really been falling off on working out and i genuinely think that the only reason um like i'm not progressing in the gym is because i'm drinking and i'm not and i and my diet like i wasn't sticking to a strict diet at all either like i was just kind of eating whatever was whatever i could get um and i think that those two things helped me a lot i'm also been having like a lot of trouble sleeping recently 
and I'm and like I feel like that's another big thing too that I always hear about. So I figure I'd give it a shot. Well, you and I talked about that. Better my health. You and I talked about that over the phone too, and that's that's a huge thing. Is it's alcohol is a wonderful, fun, awesome thing that I love as well, but it really destroys your exercise and it kills your sleep. Like if I if I drink, my workout that day is going to suck. It's not going to work. And the sleep is not going to be good, which makes you unproductive tomorrow, which makes you unhappy. And then you kind of, it's like a, it's like a weird, it's like the opposite of the virtuous cycle. Like it just, it just doesn't work. It's awful, but it's really fun to do. I have a real problem sleeping, but it's like alcohol and like anxiety based. Like I think last night I got like maybe four or five hours of sleep, which is, I think me and John, we've actually talked about this, like um i struggle to fall back asleep like i'll wake up at 2 a.m and then be up for the rest of the day right like i won't i won't go back to sleep after that your brain's um, and that alcohol does play a really serious part in that like i've noticed if i'm drinking i'll wake up at like 3 or 4 a.m and just like not be able to fall back asleep but sometimes if it's anxiety based i can like talk myself down and fall back asleep you know what i mean i do I do actually. So I, the weirdest thing about getting older for me was trying to figure out that your sleep needs change kind of rapidly. And it used to be, I could sleep as long as I wanted and I'd be okay no matter what. Now it's like, if, if you wake up at 6am and the sun's down and you've gotten at least seven hours of sleep, you should not go back to sleep. You should get right up and you should just get started. You'll be good to go. You'll be great. In fact, you'll operate so much better than if you try to steal that last hour. It just doesn't work. And I don't know why medicine, Matt, maybe you can tell me, but it just, it's, it hurts. Isn't it, oh. Ren, Matt, or isn't it like you, it takes you time to get into REM sleep. And so yeah. if you nap for like an hour, you never got into REM. So it wasn't quality sleep. I feel like yeah, that's. I mean- there's three non-REM stages and there's one REM stage and you hit REM about every 90 minutes. So like an hour, yeah, you're not going to catch that. I, as for like going back to sleep and like not feeling, actually feeling worse than if you had just gotten up, I don't know exactly why. I anecdotally agree that like if I wake up at like seven in the morning, I should just get my ass out of bed because even if I go back to sleep and sleep three more hours, I'm going to feel way worse than if I'd just gotten up at seven. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I disagree. I, I have to be at work at nine. So my body will wake me up no matter what between like eight, seven fifteen and like seven forty five. Like even if I don't set an alarm, like I'll wake up but on the weekends, I don't want to be up that early. Like I want to sleep in and I'll go back to sleep and I'll wake up at like 10, 15 without like an alarm, like no alarm will go off and I'll feel so much better. Um, like the day will be better. I feel, I won't feel like I need caffeine to function, but also I don't sleep well. So maybe that has something to do with it. Like without the pressure of like the anxiety of like, I'm going to sleep through my alarm or the anxiety of having to go to work. Maybe. I think the way we structure our weeks is just a little fucked up. Like, so the five, we get five days in a row where we have to adhere to the strict schedule. And then you've got two days, which it really realistically, in my opinion, takes three to build a habit. And by two days in a row, that habit has already started forming. So in those two days, you've probably been drinking, eating like shit and sleeping in. 
And now you've got to restart. And by the time your body gets into that other formula, by Thursday, you're like, okay, good to go. I'm up at sunrise, I'm out at sundown, and then I try it again Friday, cool. Then you try to break the formula for Saturday morning. So you're in this like massive flux constantly of trying to do opposite things. That doesn't seem like it works at all. No, you should 100% try to go to sleep at the same time every day, wake up at the same time, because your body does have an internal clock. It does naturally secrete melatonin at this, like roughly the same-ish time every night to try to make you go to sleep. So when you do that Monday to Friday thing and you go to bed at 9.30 or whatever, so that way you can get up early as hell in the morning. And then you hit Friday and you stay up till two in the morning and you sleep till 10, then it jacks it up. And then you do the same thing Saturday and it jacks it up. And you try to reset this and your body's kind of like always out of whack. It's not good. And the social pressures on that are even worse because it's it's sort of like, You've got you've got the far the far one side extreme that says you know if you're not if you're not grinding if you're not doing this like what are you you're a failure and that's such a weird stupid problem we have in America and then the <laughs> other side of it is if you're not having fun and living your life because life is so short what are you doing like you should be out drinking and partying because if you're not doing that you're wasting your time work is for lamos and like you've got these two magnets that are pulling you as an individual and they're both trying to make money off you that's the best part and they don't have your best interest in mind. And so we, 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 with our limited brain power are trying to sort this out and do the best we can. And it just kind of sucks. They're both trying to get you. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Bill, do you need this to pause? Yeah. I was blown. I, was, I, I heard. You turned off the camera and not the mic. Yeah, you hit the wrong, you hit the wrong mute button. It happens. Um, okay. John, what you're describing is work-life balance. I agree, but I don't think we've figured it out yet. I mean... Both the grind set and the work hard, play hard mindset both require you on those two days off to try to take more hours out of your day that you didn't have. Yep. It requires staying up late, getting up earlier, like using up more time than you should. Which is no sleep. Yes. Like sleep when you're dead mentality. Which... I think sleep is important. Say, as I already said, I struggle to fall asleep, but um, having a work-life balance is, is really, really hard. Like, even when I feel like I have it, like, the next day, I'll be like, I never had it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the, so. the, there used to be that old triangle that was like, it was like social life, school slash work, and health. And you could basically pick two and do two of those. And I used to laugh at it because, you know, this, this was like a meme in high school. And you're like, oh, yeah, like pick two and like fall in the middle. And I was like, yeah, fuck that. I can do all three. You can't. There's no way. You can really do one super well and then have a secondary. And your secondary is not going to be as well, but it's going to be okay. And if you do that, your third is going to suffer all day. And the funny thing is on social media, the people who pick health first and social second, I think, and then kind of forget the work seem to be doing the best but it's social media which means that it's probably totally fake and definitely totally fake you gotta assume that it's not nearly as good as they're making it out to be there's no way no way i don't know i don't i don't have the answer i don't know i don't think there is a real answer i don't think there is either yeah i think you just have to prioritize your life yeah people that are in it and figure it out if you aren't happy with something like get change it Right. If you can't change it, 
that means that you're accepting it and it's not as bad as you say it is because i do feel like you're right like people you always see the best of people or almost always see the best of people in social media oh yeah um you'll never see the downfalls and you'll never know if people are lying or not people can all like there's plenty of people out there who are just straight up lying to you on social media but there's people that go to the gym and they just take a picture and they leave and that's all like there's people that say like that just don't eat all day and then like say that they're being healthy and that they're not or like it's just it's such a social media in general so like it's a great tool but it's turned into like this really toxic situation too so bill i gotta it's a ask very, it's a i gotta ask you something because everyone everyone likes to talk about burnout now and burnout's a weird it's become like a weird buzzword almost but so someone had posted it on my twitter recently it said something about like how are you how are you guys resetting all right let me restart so the context was there was a guy who runs his own law firm and he said all i feel is the need to work on the weekends i feel bad about myself if i'm not working on the weekdays i feel bad that i'm not working hard enough i know for a fact i work very hard I do very well for myself. I've raised a family and it's all I've spent my entire life doing. How do I get rid of this horrible feeling? The overwhelming response underneath at least the non-spam goofball responses was leave the USA for a month. They said a soft month. So, you know, give or take a week. They said leave, go to Europe, go to South America, go to somewhere else where the culture is a little bit different. And I took a little bit from that in that I wanted to ask you tonight how you kind of felt after your month in Europe, culture-wise. Culture? I mean, it, the people yeah, are just wise? Well, I just yeah. mean, so you you got to, sorry for background, you got to spend a month in Europe last year, and it was because you budgeted your time well, you got to go there for a conference, a work conference, and then you allocated your vacation time towards being able to do whatever you wanted in the country, Right. Yeah. Maybe you tell the story better. Go for it. Tell, tell me your experience. What'd you do? Oh, I mean, that's true. So I was there for a week for a conference and I ended up staying another four weeks traveling through Spain, Portugal while I was there. And I was in Barcelona for a conference. So I was in, and then I spent some time in Barcelona, Madrid, Seville, and then flew over to Portugal, was in Lisbon, Porto. Um, it was one of the best experiences I've ever had. Um, it, I felt at, better the food was better honestly like healthier wise and i even and i met some amazing people i was there as well and the like people are happier there like the it's just kind of crazy like the atmosphere that you're in um it's also just more affordable i feel like as well and overall like i've just deep ever since i've been there I've, i can't wait to go back to europe and travel around more and experience more but I met so many people there that traveled over from the United States and never left. And those people varied in job roles. Like I met, I met several people who just worked at hostels or were bartenders and they were like, yeah, I came over here um, after I graduated college and like I had job offers and I had like a job lined up or whatever. And I never went back because I knew that like, and I've never regretted it. And I've been there for like three or four years. And yeah, like they might change their mind down the line when like they're 35 and they want to figure out what they want to do. But I do feel like there's ample opportunity because of remote work 
And because of companies that are there and work visas that you can get, that you can go take an opportunity to work over there. And I do think that if you're experiencing burnout and you're experiencing um, like that corporate anxiety almost, um, you should take the opportunity to go over there. But I will also say that if you go over there, you should plan to at least spend a month there. Because if you just go over there for a week, it's not going to be any different than if you go to Vegas for a week or if you go to North Carolina for a week and go skiing. Like, it, it's not going to be any different than that. Like, you have to go over there and immerse yourself in that culture, like you said, for an extended period of time. Now, is that... Um, and I don't think anybody would regret it. And I did it by myself, too, which I think was another portion of that that really amplified my experience because... I've always traveled with people and with friends and family and I've never just kind of like been on my own and like, I, I didn't have trouble making connections and talking to people because I've always done that, but I didn't have anything to fall back on if I did do it. Like if I, if I wasn't feeling social that day, I was, I was hanging out by myself that day. Like that was, those were the two choices. So you are incredibly good at making new friends, which you and I've talked about this before. And I know I, I may have taken a pot shot at Silver and Chelsea earlier when I said that they hit on me for saying that I network a bunch. And I said, no, all I do is make friends. Like, that's literally what I do. I don't want anything from you. But I got it from you. I literally learned it from you. And I'm wondering if the length of time that you're describing is because it takes that long to actually form connections with someone. You can't just do it overnight, right? I would form, I mean... I made tons of friends that I still talk to overnight. There. Sure. So then uh, well, I think me and Chelsea were taking shots at you because we're girls and like the relationships we have with other women are not the same as like a man would have a relationship with another dude. Um, and we weren't like saying you're, you are like by definition, like you're networking. You think that's like the definition of a friend, but like, I don't know, like define friend is I think what we were taking shots at him for, but we don't need to, rehash that out no no it's okay and i, I didn't I, I was it wasn't a negative thing at all it was kind of just me oh, being like well, i love making friends that's what i like to do and i want to think about it in a positive way right well i think zach sorry bill makes like good friends he's also like a he's the type of person that could just like talk to anybody like if we're like if we're talking like like charisma wise i think Bill has really good charisma with people and he always finds a way to connect and like he actually cares which I see that in you too John but I also think you're just like a really chill guy Thank like you. I don't know if you need to like I don't know if you need to know a bunch about somebody to be like oh I like you but like Bill like sometimes wants to know more you know what I mean I don't know you guys are different but like the same in a lot of ways you're a good people reader. I'm not naturally this way. I've had to learn it. And so it's kind of, I, I see the irony of running a podcast in which I am not naturally good at talking to people and making connections. And I get that. Mm -hmm. But so no, you're, I think your point is absolutely correct. And Bill, that, that is one of the things that you do is you naturally just like someone for who they are and want to know more about them. Mine is a little more surfacey, but not really. It's sort of just like it, it, it costs me a lot of energy to, to interact and learn and absorb and take on everything through my empathy for you. So I have to do it in phases. Bill is an extrovert. Correct. You are an introvert that Correct. wants to be extroverted. Yes. That's the difference between the two of you. 100%. I'm an extroverted introvert. Absolutely. 
And Bill, I don't know which one I am. I think I'm. I think I'm an extrovert, but I like to be introverted. Verted. I think that's that's what I am. I think you're an introverted extrovert. You get energy from other people, but you enjoy your own personal time. Yeah, I'm alone a lot. I think. I mean, no, Zach's single. I'm sorry, Bill and I is single. <laughs> <laughs> he can attest. Like when you're single, you're alone like a lot. So, um, it has like, I think like me being in a relationship for three years and then like being single now, I can like look back and realize, cause I was single before that, you know what I mean? That was like it for me, that the relationship time period has made me love my introverted self almost more now, if that makes sense. It does. It does. And it makes perfect sense. So maybe I'm more introverted after that than I would have been before. I mean, I think... Sorry, go ahead, Bill. You look like you have something to say. No, I was just going to say, I think that people don't realize, and we've all been single, so you guys might, but people don't realize like how often you're alone when you're single. Like Even if you are extroverted or you are a big people person and you love meeting new people and hanging out with the current people you're friends with, like that still leaves a ton of time that you're by yourself. Yep. So I think that's an underrated portion because... If you are an extrovert and you need to be around people, which I know plenty of people that are like that, like it's exhausting for you. And that's, that attributes to anxiety because then you're like, you can't be alone and it starts making you hang around people. You probably wouldn't normally just mm -hmm. to be around people. I think we have such a rudimentary understanding of how we all kind of work and it's, it's been fun i think seeing the whole mental health revolution like go to therapy do all this and figure yourself out sort of thing but we it, it still feels like we've not scratched the surface like we just we've been existing for so long and our only thought has been survival that now we don't have to really worry about that in most cases you know asterisk but if you don't have to worry about that what are you left with purpose and self and you're like oh shit i don't understand either of these these don't make any sense I'd rather be running from the tiger almost. Everybody's different. Yeah. It's hard to address a problem when there's no one answer. Right. There's no two answers. There's a billions and billions of answers. So yeah. hard to solve a problem like that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think mental health is like not a revolution. I think it's really complex and I think regardless of how you feel about mental health it affects everybody um whether you think you have mental health issues or not i think it plays a part in everyone's day-to-day -day, whether they recognize it or not um but as far as like friendship level things and like anxiety and like that i think that like we're rarely alone as people and i do think that the more you're alone, the more you understand yourself and what you're dealing with, whether it's, again, something you can define as mental health or not. Um, and then you learn from yourself rather than like just distracting yourself with other people. Um, so you are stuck with yourself no matter what. It's whether you're distracting yourself, I guess, with other people or other things or I don't know, some people like abuse substances and shit for that stuff. Um, to your point, John. Um, if that makes any sense. Am I making sense? Yeah, it does. 
it was fun. So a couple weeks on, we had uh, a couple weeks ago, we had my very good friend Lou, who's insanely sharp. And um, so Matt, were you on that one? I I can't remember. Was it you or Chelsea? Yeah, it was you and you and Lou were on the three of us. And she's fun because she's very, um, she's like sort of like a psychology medicine mix and tries to like make them both happen together. So I really, really it always. Yeah, I really like her opinions because they're different. They're so different from mine. And it's just because our bases of knowledge are different. And I don't have any base in that besides whenever I have a thought during the day and I text Matt. It's just it's weird to run it across a different base of knowledge and be like, oh, you know, I had this thought. This makes sense to me based on what I know. What do you think? No, based on what I know, that doesn't make any sense. And I don't know. It's just something we're kind of figuring it out, right? Like, was she saying that, like, you, like, was she, like, attributing it to, like, a diagnosis? Or was she saying, like, that's something, like, what, what are you, I don't understand, I guess. I don't want to put words in mouths that are the wrong words, but it was, it was a lot of, many of the issues we deal with are sort of ingrained in us. And there's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with, there's nothing wrong with figuring out ways of existing and adapting to those things. And my... My perspective is usually like, look, you should just try to find the reason and understand it. And if you can understand it, you can adapt to it personally. You don't have to try to, you don't have to try to change it and find your own workaround. You just, you just get it and then you do what makes sense. And I think a lot of what happens in our heads is evolutionary. I think it's, we, this is the first time where we've had to deal with a lot of issues that we're currently dealing with. Mm. I mean, in, in Bill's instance, we, we've never in our lives, except for the last 20 years, had to deal with scam artists in the way that we're doing it now. It has always been it has always been prevalent because we've had snake oil salesmen, but now we have to deal with it in a different way, right? I'm waiting on you, Bill. I can't no, I I was just thinking, but I didn't know. I thought you guys were having a conversation. I was just like, this is a conversation. You're involved. Absorbing. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I mean, in the last twenty years, that's that's what we were talking about earlier. Um, I don't know. Psychology and the mind is. I find it extremely interesting, and I try to read a lot about it, but it's just so so intricate, and it it changes constantly, like. Right. I almost believe, like you only you can only understand so much. And like when we're talking, if we're talking about like understanding yourself, then like I definitely agree um, with what Silver was saying, which is just like the more time you spend with yourself, the better you understand it. It's like the same as like the more time you study a topic, the better you know that topic. The more time you spend with yourself, the better you understand yourself. The better you understand like what you're interested in, what you like, um, and what you want to do. So if that's kind of like your goal, but I don't know. I feel like it goes back to like social media has kind of changed a lot too. And I'm always curious about like with mental health, is it that mental health has gotten worse or is it that the mediums where you can share mental health problems have gotten bigger and you can you can you're able to like talk about it more because those are really the two options either it's always been this bad and nobody's been able to talk about it or we're finally having the opportunity to share how we actually feel 
across a plane where across mediums where people can like uh, like relate uh, relate to us yeah or it's never been this bad before that's the third option which i don't think is true um, or other or external things have affected us and made it worse so or accommodation to combine both of your points john is saying like we've never had to deal with this type of these type of problems before with technology but to be honest like social interaction has been changing for since the dawn of time you know what i mean we had phones in the 80s and it's been changing and evolving and people need to adapt i'm sorry technology is going it's going to continue to change and adapt as far as mental health mental health and certain diagnoses are a chemical imbalance in the brain and that has been the uh, scientific fact for as long as people have been willing to deny it, which is basically forever. Um, you're a doctor, right, sir? Yeah, I'm there. Okay. So I just think that I, I think that genuinely the platform and the acceptance of speaking of mental health is bringing mental health issues to light in a way that you might think, oh, they're all of a sudden worse, but I don't think mental health is a bad thing and I don't think discussing it is a bad thing. So I don't know if it's all of a sudden bad, uh, like as bad as it could ever be or if it's that people are just discussing it and because you have your own internalized idea of what mental health is are taking it as this is the worst it's ever been because there are mental health issues that are just not inherently negative um i mean obviously suicide is a serious mental health issues and it it's a very 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 sad thing but there's like anxiety and um there's other mental issues like schizophrenia, ADHD, like those type of like um, diagnoses that aren't bad. They're not bad things. And the more people talk about them, the more they can get diagnosed, the more they accept them, the more they can get treated properly. Well, I'm not, I'm not I saying think, that's, I was just bringing it up as a third option. I don't, I wasn't saying that I believe that. What do you believe? I actually don't know. That's kind of the thing. And I, I, I like to study it and think about it. And I think there's always the possibility that we are being exposed to things that have never happened in the past, and that's worth considering. But upon, I mean, if you interact with a lot of a lot of folks in the older generations, and we're all in our twenties here, so when we say older generations, it can be anything from the millennials to the greatest generation, which are currently in their eighties and nineties. Everything, and when you deal with a lot of those folks it's easy for almost anyone to see that they have a lot of undiagnosed issues going on. It'll, it'll, it'll be like, I mean, my favorite one is the f like, like fear of homosexuality, stuff like that. And you're like, Oh wait, like this is like the clearest case of our generation. Oh, right. Our, our generation and the millennials grew up not really giving a shit because we just didn't care. And we all had friends who had different opinions on this and different, sexualities and all that stuff and so we, we we've we're aware of it we don't care but it wasn't a, it wasn't a scary thing for us and it was different for them it was advertised well, in different it wasn't ways. a scary thing for us because i grew up with people who were openly out yeah yeah that so is you're, not the case for their generation they yeah. didn't have that right the human brain is so adaptable like if, if we're if we're faced with something when we're young we're really not going to adaptable to a certain age Oh, I agree with that. I, I think, and Matt, maybe, so chime in medical-wise, but something I read says something about, it, it's like, I don't know if you measure this because I don't think we really understand the brain, but it was like the pathways get more resistant to change the older you get. Is that, am I, is that, am I crazy? Yes, it's referred to as neuroplasticity. Is it yes, Basically. I'm crazy or? 
No, yes, as in, like, the brain is more malleable as a child. But, like, a significant portion of all the mental illnesses that present in adults are due to childhood trauma of some sort or another, whether it's that you had to grow up early, you had to support people, you had to, you actually were assaulted in some way, shape, or form, you were abused, whatever it may be. In the broad spectrum of things, it doesn't always present childhood. Those things happen, you you had some sort of trauma, and then as an adult, it presents as anxiety, depression, whatever else. I mean, that makes sense. So that, that kind of does answer the question though, is that as an, as a kid, if you see something, it's not going to, it's going to affect you, but it's, you're going to be used to that thing for better or worse. Yeah. I mean, you get all the stereotypical movie things or whatever, where they go to the therapist and they're 50 years old and they're like, it's because my mom didn't love me. Like, <laughs> like there's a lot of that. Like it's legitimately real, like trauma and child of some sort. Like you, you may repress it at that point and push it to the back of your brain and you don't really do anything about it. But then like it comes up later on in a lot of cases. Then so like, yes, you can adapt better as a kid, but like you may not really be adapting. You may just be repressing it until you have a problem with it later on. Like a residual. <clears throat> Yeah, it's just kind of sitting there, burning in the background, waiting for it to come up when you're 40 years old and you have a mental breakdown. <laughs> um, I wanted to bring up, I'm sorry, Don, no, I know no. you want to say something. Go ahead. I wanted to bring up anxiety. Do you guys know what that is? Oh, yeah. Anxiety? Anxiety, like you're hungover and you have anxiety from like a previous night of drinking. Matt, are you straight edge? I mean, he's drinking whiskey. Yes. <laughs> have you ever have you ever experienced like the morning after you've gone out with friends you like drank probably too much but everyone did and you wake up in the morning and you're like oh my god what did i do who did i see who did i talk to everyone hates me i don't know how to feel about myself or i don't know what i did and i don't know how to feel have you ever felt uh, that sure so i am a huge anxiety advocate like um some of my closest friends how we like have bonded is like they'll wake up the next morning and have anxiety and they'll text me and I'll be like the best cure for anxiety is to talk about it. But to um, go back to your point, John, is my my dad and I are, you know, relatively close. Um, we're a lot of like, I came home for Thanksgiving break and he got, we all got drunk on Thanksgiving as Americans do. Right. And then the next morning, he had really bad anxiety. And I was like, you have anxiety, it's fine. And he was like, I don't know what that is. I don't have anxiety. And he like was in full denial about like having, I guess, anxiety. And I was like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, just tell me what you're anxious about. Like, are you anxious about what you said? Are you anxious about not remembering things? And he was like, no. But like, he couldn't like get off the couch and he couldn't like function. And he was in full denial about having anxiety that I was just like, you don't believe in it, but you have it, um, which I feel like is a trend for older people with that type of anxiety issue, I guess. I don't really I don't think it's added into the next scientific, like psychological encyclopedia, the DSM-6 anxiety. <laughs> Seriously, I feel like everybody has it and nobody talks about it. Well, it's. So I don't, I don't like blaming anyone for this type of stuff because, and so anytime I hear like, God, I mean, I hate to bring up the most, the more extreme examples are like pure blatant racism, but you look at it and you're like, God, I, it's tough for me to blame you because I understand that you're doing what you think is best and you don't really get what you're doing is just stupid. 
But so for in, in your example, I think a lot of folks probably in his generation, and this is me speaking off something I don't really know anything about, but it, it sort of feels like when you grew up in that generation, you had to be tough because that's how you survived. That is exactly right. how you fed your family. You were tough. You didn't give a shit. You worked. That's what you did. Because guess what? Your tribe had to survive. And if it didn't, you died. And that's the worst thing you could possibly do. So they don't have those. They're not used to a comfortable life. And the problems that come with a comfortable life are different than the problems that come from a hard life. Sorry, are you saying like his own internalized misogyny is like not letting him have anxiety because he's like too much of a man for that? Well, so I, I use the most extreme examples when possible because they make everything seem a little bit silly. So my favorite one is like, look, when you're feeling anxious and sad, just remember that about 3000 years ago, your ancestors were running away from tigers and those tigers would eat them. And they were anxious because they didn't know if they were going to survive that day. You're Water flight. Right. You're anxious about paying your rent. Your problems are different. They're not invalidated. They're just different. And we don't know how to handle these new problems because we don't have a tiger. Uh, if, if I write a book, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be, we don't have a tiger. But at the beginning, like, how do they learn to handle the tiger? Like, you have to learn to handle your rent. You have to learn to handle the tiger. It's the same process to me. I feel like, I feel like you're, you're making like an excuse, like, oh, if only we were cavemen again. But we're not gonna be cavemen. Shit's gonna change. I agree. So you can't, you can't recall like past shit. You can't be like, oh, in the past, it, in the past, it. It's always gonna continue to change. And if you're not constantly looking forward and ready to learn better and improve, like. I just want to explain. I don't want to, I don't, because I think if you explain, you find the solution. But I'm not justifying. Right. I, I want to explain, not justify, even though they're very similar. But so, there's a different way. There's a, I think there's a better way to explain it. I'm sorry. I feel like we're arguing and you guys aren't. Do you I guys know. have something to say? Matt, Matt wants to say something. Sorry. So I looked up, and just using a simple metric here of suicide, of mental health, and all this type of stuff, I looked up the suicide rates from now until 1950. And there's less than a 15% change between the peak and the trough. Now, when I say there's a 15% change, that's the equivalent in this in three people per 100,000. So over, what, 70 years, it's been relatively stable. Whether we talk about it and we it's in the news and social media, whatever else, or if we just repress it and we're angry old men that drink a lot of beer at the kitchen table, it doesn't make a difference on the end result in a lot of cases because depression isn't a choice depression and like suicidal thoughts are a chemical imbalance in the brain it's not it like talking about it is is great for a lot of reasons i think because it normalizes it but it's not going to solve the problem you, m being medicated will solve the problem there's nothing wrong that with taking it changed the result either it's actually gone up since 1950. Right. Well, no, it hasn't gone up to admit the, like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure there's some under and over-reporting in different areas, but. Right. Bill, what do you think? I think that Silver's right, like the chemical imbalance of the brain is the, is the resulting factor, and those chemical imbalances are the same no matter what is causing that, like, it's, it's happening to you and so like what makes that act up is what you're experiencing in your life and whether that be being chased by a tiger or failing an exam and worrying about failing your class it's 
the same chemical imbalance in your brain. So um, I, I think that like the, like the, the numbers prove that. Like right. how people are going through tough times no matter what, but those tough times change, just like times change. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, yeah. so then my I follow agree. up I agree is with the numbers. I and I know this opens another can of worms, and we don't we're we're getting late here, so we don't have to go into it. But where my where my brain goes and where my monkey brain goes, where it's just like problem solve problem, it's what is exactly the cause? Because if you get the cause, you can find the solution. And I know there that there's no answer to that. I get that. We don't know. No, I just right. want to say that like what you're explaining using the tiger versus like mental health like metaphor you're trying to force is like it's it's fight or flight. But like in in fight or flight terms, you're literally talking about fighting a tiger versus running away from a tiger. We what we're talking choice. about is like pass or failing a class. It's putting you into fight or flight. So it's just that the terms are outdated and people don't know how to like attribute that to their everyday issue. Like I go into fight or flight when my boss comes in my office, closes the door and says, we need to talk. Right. But like it's, she's a tiger in this state. You know what I mean? But people have trouble drawing the same, making them the same and saying, oh, I'm just in fight or flight right now because it doesn't look how it did forever ago. No, your point's well taken. I think we're not able to assign that yet. I think if we could understand it and assign it and we could say, oh, I understand that. Change the verbiage. Just update the verbiage. The verbiage is out of date. Yeah, well, if you could say like, look, I'm realizing that my brain thinks I'm in danger right now and now I can react to it, then you'd probably Mm -hmm. handle it better. But we don't, it feels like we don't know what the fuck's going on. Like, that's why all these because people... we call it fight or flight. Like we're not yeah. looking at a tiger anymore. We're looking at paying our bills and making sure we exist on this planet as it is. Yeah. It needs to be called something. I don't know. I think it needs to be called something else or taught to us. Like, hey, it's called fight or flight, but really, it's this. Right. Right. No, I. I like what you're saying. I I I kind of agree with it, and it makes sense I in my head. Wow, John Paul agrees with me. No, agrees? I. I don't. I used to be so bad at bulldozing. I feel like I've gotten okay at listening, and now I, I kind of take it in process. Yeah, I've never thought you were a bulldozer. I appreciate that. It's because I don't know. You're scary, scary, but you know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Pretty sure that was the first thing John told me. He's like, "So you scared me." <laughs> you used to scare me a little bit. You don't anymore, but you definitely used to. Uh, yeah, are you just intimidated by women with opinions? No, 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 no. It didn't matter if you're a woman or a man. You would have scared me either way. You can never tell me why. They can never tell me why. Well, you're just very, very, like in a world where no one is forward and straight and like no, everyone is kind of putting on a face about something. You just don't do it, which I've always liked that about you as well. I'm like, yeah, I, I guarantee I could tell this girl X and she will give me exactly whatever output is on her mind at that point. It, it, it wouldn't matter what I told her. Interesting. Yeah. Because I feel like I use my words very carefully with men, actually. So maybe not with Zach. Me and... I was about to say, use a filter with me. <laughs> <laughs> not with you. We're like close like that, though. But with John... We are, I do feel like we're close, but like in the settings to which we have conversations, which is the setting on a podcast, I do feel like I, I, I do feel like I'm filtering myself here. You haven't had enough whiskey then. I'm drinking wine, honey. And if I was drinking whiskey, there'd be a lot of F-bombs. 
that's kind of why I like, so this format's really fun and I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent about this, but this format is fun because everyone gets a little bit scared. They're like, Ooh, I'm recording myself. And I'm like, guess what? If you say some stupid shit, you can walk it back. It's not hard. You can say pretty much anything on camera. As long as if you realize that it's stupid, you come back and say, Hey, guess what? That was really stupid. Sorry. I said that. Here's what I actually meant. If you do that, you're fine. It doesn't matter because you've explained yourself. Um, I let my, so just so you guys, all of you guys know, my entire office listens to this podcast now. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, because we hired this, well, they're going to listen to this, so I actually shouldn't, but like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be careful. <laughs> Here's where she can't walk it back. Yeah, yeah. So, I, yeah, so, private so, information. Don't, don't say it. Who's the they're tiger? Like, oh, they're like, oh, what do you do? <laughs> I'm in fight or flight right now. <laughs> uh, Who's the tiger? I was like, I was like, oh, I'm on this podcast, and this girl I really like who I work with was like, do you were on a podcast? I would listen to that, and I'm like, no, 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 no. And then I, I was on it again, and I said, oh, I was on that same podcast, and she was like, let me listen to it, and I was like, okay, if I'm gonna let you listen to it, I have to listen to it first, because honestly, I'm the type of person that like I'll put this shit out there, and then I just, well, never. But if I'm gonna let somebody I know listen to it i had to listen to it first so i listened to our last episode and my first episode with you guys for the first time last week before i sent them to her and i was fine i feel like and she came to my office and she was like you're friends with that guy i was like john and he she was like yeah he's a boy and i was like he is a boy <laughs> can confirm by the way I think boy. I don't think she must have been So where's for girls? <laughs> Get out of here. You say by by definition, I check out on that circumstance. Yes. Um, she was like, "You're friends with him," and I was like, "I am." That's kind of funny. I was like, "John's very, very, very intelligent." I appreciate for a, that. For a boy, for a boy, I mean, for if a the boy. bar's low, I'll take it. Now, Matt beats me out every time, but so my, all right, oh, and oh. and you're right. Well, whatever you say, but my, my point kind of was like, everyone gets scared of it and I like this format and everyone has the stereotype of like, Oh, you're a white dude in his twenties. You're going to start a podcast. I'm like, guess what? It's really, really fucking hard to have a social life at this point. I want to talk to my friends and besides me calling them randomly after work, if I can herd them into a situation where they talk to me for at least an hour, maybe an hour and a half every week, I'm going to force them in there. And I've done it. I've got them down. <laughs> I stole your idea with my book club. I love it. Disguise. I love it. I'm so supportive like you, of it. You inspired that shit wholeheartedly, dude. We do it on we do it on Discord. One of them is Chelsea. So obviously, I stole your idea. Well, I Wait, think Chelsea made the book club meeting this evening, but not the podcast. No, she actually didn't make the book club meeting. She's traveling. Oh, okay. She's traveling. So don't be sassy, man. Chelsea's better than you are Hello. about getting on here. Hey, hey, hey. No, I like the sass, actually. I was saying it, but I didn't mean it. Didn't You're busier than she is, though. Me? I don't know. No, no, no. That. Matt. Matt. A lot of times I've just burnt out and I have no energy to be able to talk and socialize. So I'm like, I'm not going to be a help if I'm on here. So I just need to, like, not do it. You're the eye candy, <laughs> even though we don't record it on video. I can't. I'm sorry, Matt. You're prepared at the end of the day. Your doctor flow. But Chelsea's way hotter than that. I can talk <laughs> about what eye candy is right now. Chelsea's here. 
And then like Matt's here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You guys can't see, but like Chelsea's like breaking the boundary, in my opinion. It still cracks me up every single time. And I'm like, someone, <laughs> someone asked me. They're like, wait, what does Chelsea look like? And I was, I showed them a picture. Like, oh, I thought she'd be a lot heavier. And I was like, she's the hottest one here. <laughs> Father John, say it with your chest. Oh, it's so funny to me. <laughs> I just love it so much. Uh, oh, gosh. Yeah. We should probably rename it, though. We go back and forth on this, but either way. All right. We should probably wrap up soon. Um, I know we're like an hour 45 plus. So, Bill, I want to get your final takeaways. Anything else you want to say or do? I think we've hit a lot of different things. We, we've definitely hit a variety tonight. It's, it's been a rainbow. That's for sure. It's been a rainbow. It has. I call it... Can I call it the uh, the silver bullet or um, be like, I'll get the bill. I don't know. I like the puns for you guys. It's really fun. But either way, I'll get the, I'll get the bill is good. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that. I'll have another glass of tequila. I think silver bullet. <laughs> silver bullet. Silver bullet, but spell it right. I'm going to get some people that are like, you had silver on last week. Why would you have her on this week? I'm like, because she's great. Shut up. No one would say that. They would just make, they're making fun of me, not you. Don't worry. No, you're great. You are literally welcome on anytime. If you want to be on here more permanently, I'm down for it. I'm down for it too. But I really want to know, Matt, what do you think John should rename the podcast? We, not John, we. Okay, what do you think we should rename the podcast, Matt? Boy, I have to brainstorm on names. Uh, John knows that. I have to like sit down and then like I come up with something random way. It's going to come to him in the shower. Just like probably. Well, we don't have to talk about it on. Yeah, let's 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 wrap up and we'll do it after. All right, ready? (laughs) Three, two, one, break. (laughs) (laughs) All right, thanks, Bill. Thanks, Silver. I love you both, Matt. You're the best. All right, catch you next week.